0: Standardized Patient's Podcast. I'm your host and general optimist, Katie Culligan. In this podcast, we dive into the who, what, why, and huh of this quirky industry that no one's ever heard of. So, what is a standardized patient, you may ask? Well, a standardized patient is a
1: someone who pretends to be sick or grieving or drunk or in pain so that medical students can improve their skills and become better doctors.
0: Thank you. All right. I like that. Especially like the drunk part in there. Because that's true. It is. (laughs) I think we've all had to play (laughs) drunk characters at some point. So that lovely intro was given to us by Tom Wyatt. He has worked professionally as an actor since age 16 and a director slash choreographer since college. His skill set transitioned seamlessly into performing and training SPs, working with medical students on their interpersonal skills. For the past 25 years, his life has been a joyous combination of working in the theater and also being a fixture in the multiple local medical school SP programs. So welcome, Tom. Thanks for being here. Thank you.
1: Very happy to be here. So 25
0: years, huh?
1: When I started this, there were not programs existing in any of the local hospitals. I was, I was in the first year at one of the schools when they started and then from that first school, the other school started picking up sort of the, the, the schedule and the idea and realizing how helpful it could be for the students to actually hear back from their patients, not just from doctors, about their interpersonal skills and communication.
0: Whoa, so like you're an OG.
1: (laughs) I am an OG. I I am an old guy. (laughs) Yes, I am an OG, yes.
0: So, okay, I'm actually, I'm so curious about this. So, 25 years ago, (laughs) there was one school that started to do this right well what
1: what happened was there's an organization called ecfmg which is basically a long acronym for people who studied medicine outside of the united states who want to practice in the united states foreign medical grads and they needed a way to figure out if they were skilled if they knew what they were talking about so somebody developed this 10 case test that was done at one of the local medical schools and that's how it got started Over a year, we worked with foreign medical grads, and then a lot of the medical schools in the area said, As long as you've got this running, can we send our third year students to you and see how they do? Oh. and we went through one at a time it was supposed to be just a month or two of the foreign medical grads, and we ended up working like six months Whoa. working through all the different medical schools and once they saw it in practice mm-hmm. they were like oh we need to do this wow. and then it, it took that that particular school started almost immediately working with this and the other schools followed suit eventually
0: that's super cool i did not know that so yeah. 25 years ago how what year was that if you- 96 96. Wow. My mind is officially blown. That's very cool. (laughs) So I'm curious though, how did you find out about it? through the theater, of course.
1: (laughs) Uh, I was directing a show and in the show was a very old and dear friend. Not she isn't old, but she is, we are very old and dear friends. She was one of my leading ladies and she was working during the day as a nurse tech at this hospital and sort of mentioned, she said, you know, I heard about this thing and I thought of you. They're looking for people with some acting background and a really flexible schedule, but enough discipline to, you know, function the way a standardized patient has to function. And I was like, well, give it a shot you know, and it literally just blossomed and took off from there. Whoa. It was so a, you... it was a, a fluke, but a wonderful one.
0: Yeah. Don't you just love it when life works out that way? And who knew? It? So had you ever heard of it before?
1: I had not. I didn't know anything about it prior to starting to do it. Oh
0: my goodness. And so your first experience then it sounds like was actually with an exam. Is that right? Yes. Like five, 10 case.
1: Yeah. And I was the only person trained to one case. We did it 10 times a day and I did that for six months five days a week
0: whoa so you got to know that case and character very well and and
1: I had to be there because there was no backup or understudy whoa and it was one of the reasons they gave me the case they did was because they actually needed an actor because it was a someone who was having quote-unquote the worst headache of his life (laughs) Uh, and the case actually I'm I'm could potentially die Oh, if if the doctor screws it up.
0: Okay, so yeah, so they needed.
1: I was in intense pain the whole time I'm talking to the student, but I still had to come up with the answers and also be able to grade their interpersonal skills. Really, really challenging and really fun. Yeah.
0: Did you find that if you were portraying, you know, ten encounters a day of the same person with this intense headache, did you wind up with headaches after that? Like. Uh,
1: Not that much. There are other things. If I do a case with a cough, I will end up coughing a lot during the day. My body just gets used to it, I guess. And if I do end of life cases where I either have to cry or just be in a really dark place, I now have learned to preventatively take some Tylenol before we start. And that will get rid of any intense headache that I might otherwise have gotten. And I also, ideally, they actually tell us now at some of the schools to try to take the afternoon off if you can, like try to go take a nap or somehow chill go have a really nice leisurely meal anything to just sort of pull yourself out of the dark stuff
0: yeah yeah i've I've definitely experienced some of that too and i I think that's such great advice so i'm glad that they do that but at the time i bet you know with the going into the the first 10 encounters per day etc you probably weren't sure what to expect
1: Yeah, I think I was lucky because it was the first thing I'd ever done. And I didn't, and I just had the one case in my brain, Mm -hmm. I was able to be relatively accurate and it just felt, you know, at a certain point, it felt really fun and challenging just as I started being more interested in all the different ways I could be treated more (laughs) so than worrying about, you know, remembering all the facts. Cause at a certain point they were just in my head. Now I do, you know, I can do up to 16 to 20 cases in a week at different schools and they're all flying in and out of my brain. So I couldn't do that anymore.
0: (laughs) It's a different skill when you have to have that many cases. Yeah, So yeah, well, that's really neat. That leads us into our topic of the day, which is examinations, med school examinations. And they have lots of different names at different schools, but essentially it's a long day typically where a bunch of SPS are set up to work with and do encounters, visits with med students that are being graded. So this is the high stakes typically high stakes exams that happen either throughout the year in med school or sometimes at the end of the year. They're really important, but they a lot of times they include standardized patients along with other research presentations, notes, etc. Would yeah. you agree with that? When-
1: I totally would agree. And it just it's, it's funny, I've been around long enough to see how things have changed. In the first, you know, the late 90s and early 2000s, there were still a lot of faculty members at a lot of schools who did not want us giving any feedback or having any opinions about the students. And they didn't really trust us. They thought we were going to, you know, give the students bad advice or point them in the wrong direction. And they watched been nice to watch over the years how we've won them over there you know i imagine you may have talked about the sense of clerkship there are clerkships that happen throughout the year and we never used to be able to do anything important as sps and now virtually every clerkship wants an exam with sps because they learn so much about what the kids know and don't know and how they treat their patients or don't treat their patients (laughs) Um, you know they've really come around
0: yeah that's so wonderful to see that too that over the year we've won them over essentially have but it's true you know actors we can be charming and very useful and beneficial Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh yeah yeah absolutely and you're so right about the clerkships just like you know depending on what it is they get to experience a person who has now been trained in whatever they're going through and they have to deal with that and figure out how to communicate with that patient and help them you know when it comes to these like long days and these exams one thing that is always i find kind of hilarious but also perhaps a little bit tedious is the grid. The grid is important because when you come in as a SP for a long day of examination for your students, you're going to pick up a grid which it tells you what time you need to be in what room as what character. So, you know, if you're starting, you're called at 7 a.m. The first encounter begins at 8 a.m. and it ends at 820 and you have 10 minutes for writing an evaluation, grading them and then the next one starts at 8:30. There's not usually a whole lot of downtime. So, but sometimes the grid you have to bounce around a little bit. So, you might go from room 1 to room 10 and you have to know <laughs> where you need to be when. And it can get a little wacky, I guess for lack of a better word, with SPs running around in hallways with socks on and gowns on. It it can be a wild looking thing in the middle of an <laughs> exam day.
1: Yeah, and especially knowing that um Certainly not all SPs are actors, but since actors are sort of, you know, the island of misfit toys, (laughs) actors and SPs, um, you know, we've had a couple SPs who had to sort of be told, no, it's not okay to run down the halls of a university with your butt hanging out because you didn't tie your hospital gown in the back. You're in, you know, you're in public. It's not backstage or in the wings or in a dressing room.
0: Put a robe on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank um, goodness for robe. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it when they're provided. Or sometimes I will be wearing a hospital gown, and then I'll put another hospital gown the other way. So okay. not only does it keep me warm a little bit, but it also covers a little bit more when I'm wandering around the, the hallway as I'm in between. But also, like on that note, there are times when like people have had to be reminded to shower we are often told to if we're in a hospital gown for a physical exam we should wear shorts or something that we look like we're in a hospital gown but we're not completely just in undergarments. and it has to be reminded sometimes for people to wash their shorts or to wash their socks or a big question will be are we wearing socks for this encounter or are we not wearing socks because it can affect the student's grade
1: same thing for actually the choice of underwear i mean it should be appropriate but more importantly, some SPs that sometimes have worn sort of too much or too large <laughs> underwear so that interfered with mm-hmm. the physical examination when the students need to get to the skin Mm-hmm. And you know, an SP just wasn't thinking and wore something that covered their entire chest in a way that stopped a student from doing a legitimate heart exam. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, you got to balance that, yeah. you know, your comfort with the needs of the student.
0: And I think that came over time, probably of people realizing like, oh, we really need to specify to do all of these different people. Because I imagine, you know, if it was just a practice encounter that wasn't an exam or graded, you know, it's a learning point and say, okay, so. Uh, can we go ahead and remove this or whatever but when it's an exam and these are high stakes sometimes a huge part of the grade for students we need to be the consistent people in the exam and make sure that we're giving them and setting them up for success
1: and there have been times with some of the newer sps who were very free thinkers that they had to be told to wear underwear oh no really yeah particularly bras Yeah, there are a lot of people out there, you know, who are very comfortable with their bodies and women who are don't normally wear a bra and it didn't occur to them to put one on, even though they knew they were coming in to do SP work. Yeah, it's happened. A little bit of everything has happened.
0: It's true. That's that's one of the best things about SP work is that you can really just assume that everything has happened. And
1: you do have to be comfortable with the idea of being not naked, but mostly uncovered the way you would in a doctor's office. You know, we yeah. can't have ourselves so covered to make it difficult for them to do their job. And part of it is to mm-hmm. be able to get to our body, to the skin, yeah. to examine whatever they have to examine. You know, it's, exactly. It, some SPs actually have quit after a while just because they realized they weren't comfortable mm-hmm. with people touching them so much.
0: Yeah, um, and understandably so. You can't blame yeah. them. One thing about in terms of like the scheduling of the day whenever we have these big exam days because again there are certain days that are like this not all days in sp world are like this thank goodness i think for everybody involved but they are important and they are necessary as we've discussed earlier but like you know a lot of times if you you go and you get your grid in the morning you sign in right you make sure that you're going to get paid for the day on um, the sign-in sheet however the school does it and then you make sure you have all your ducks in a row, your case is ready to go. You get into that room. Again, let's just say 8 a.m. based on your grid. It says Katie's in this encounter, 8 a.m. And then a lot of times you switch out rooms. So meaning I'm in for the 8 a.m. encounter, but then Tom might be in for the 8.30 encounter. And we have to have a system of how I leave the room, making sure that it is still clean. We've swapped the the paper on the beds, that maybe we leave the door propped open so the other standardized patient knows that it's free to go inside, and that they're not accidentally gonna crash a encounter that's happening or something that's going on. So that can be a little tricky too.
1: A lot of the work we do is both video and audio recorded. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you have to be very careful what you say or how you react when a student leaves the room and you forgot yeah. that the camera was still on. Yes. I was actually at a school waiting for a student to come in. And I was just in the midst of a personal sort of issue. And I was thinking about it. And I knew I had to get it out of my head before the student came in. So I just I screamed a an <laughs> epithet, you wouldn't want me to scream on this show. Just <laughs> not not so much scream, is, as, as, but I was just really loud said rah, and <laughs> I was fine but the student came in we did our whole thing and then later on faculty went back to look at the camera version <laughs> no. of it and that got recorded oh, so no. they, they, they sort of checked with the trainer and were like what was up with that guy he was like screaming and then fortunately the trainer was a friend she knew what I was talking about they had they were worried it had to do with the student oh uh, before I'd even met the student And I was like no, I was actually getting it out of my system so when the student came in I could interact with them beautifully but not that just you were, gotta just got to
0: be careful not that you had an energy <laughs> that from the student that was about to come and he needed to right and, with...
1: and that's more commonly what happens unfortunately where an SP will forget and kind of either roll their eyes or just even say oh my god you know no. or have a real negative reaction that gets caught on camera that yeah. the student could see.
0: That's, that's not good. Mm-hmm. And or laugh. I know I've actually yeah. watched a training session for a examination encounter that I was working on where the SP, it was recorded that after the student exited the room, this SP laughed and it was clearly about the student and it was caught on camera and that was like our trainer gave it as a learning opportunity like don't do this because we will see it and or the student more importantly will see it which also goes to not talking about the students big thing with exam days is making sure and it usually gets pretty encouraged and, and pretty hardcore about this is like do not talk about the students with other SPs don't talk about the students in the training rooms whether or not they were great or not so great because another SP might have them next or could overhear things that could influence how they react to the student when they come in and also just it's not good professionalism to to talk about your student so I think it still is it seems like a struggle for some SPs to hold back on that but it is pretty you know chiseled into our training these days I think that not not bring it up ever (laughs) no matter what and if there is an issue like a big issue that is so important then you bring it up to maybe one of the higher ups and talk about it at that point or put it in the evaluation like there's a feedback sometimes option of talking about how they did and how they treated you and if it could be useful for feedback for them to hear then you put it in a professional tactful way
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's funny i I mean that swings us around to the idea of feedback i fortunately in recent years one of the schools has actually hired me kind of full-time to teach feedback to newer SPs and to pull some more experienced SPs in for sort of reminder training. Feedback isn't just us talking about what we liked and what we didn't. It's not really even our opinion so much as it's ideally observing the behaviors and language used by the student, alerting them to that, and then attaching that to a feeling, like a, I felt, Reassured. I felt encouraged, not that was good or I liked it because <laughs> that, that really isn't a value to the students. Mm-hmm. But if they hear, I felt safe, I mm-hmm. felt happy, that's going to land and they're going to remember forever that yeah. kind of stuff, helping them know you know, literally just remind them, say, was there any of the big bullet points that you didn't ask me today that they can think of that might have been important? And mm-hmm. they'll often come up with that one thing that was crucial to the case, and they just didn't think of. Yeah. And, that of like, oh, and would that have changed your opinion about my diagnosis? If you had gotten an answer like oh, yes, of course. Oh, uh, you
0: know? <laughs> of course. That,
1: that's always nice to watch the students have a light bulb moment like
0: that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they be part of it. Yeah. 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 yeah no,
1: not us, not us telling them, but just yeah. sort of asking and sort of getting them to figure it out on their own.
0: Yeah. And also the more specific, the better, right? Like the uh, idea absolutely. of like, it, it is one thing to be like, okay, that was great. Okay, cool. What was great about it? Well, it made me feel reassured. It made me feel uncomfortable. You could be one to constructive feedback as well. And that helps them as they move forward with other patients, not only in the SP land, but also in the world, (laughs) in their future career. So I think that's really really important for them and a huge part of sp work when it comes to that when we get it right (laughs) that is fair that's and that's why you do the trainings right so like what would you say for you might be one of the most memorable things that's happened to you in your time one thing that happened
1: accidentally but turned out to be a teaching piece that has become incredibly culturally relevant. About eight years ago, there was a grief case at a school that had just, for no particular reason, always been done by women. Mm -hmm. And at the last minute, they were like, would you run in and do this? Would you, can you, it was in a pretty large group setting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, sure. And I read the case. It was all about the patient's husband being dead. Oh. having died and the grief that came from that. Yeah. And so I went in and I decided I'm going to play the case as written. I'm going to have a husband, mm-hmm. but I didn't offer that at all. Oh. I just came in talking about my spouse and the grief. And eight years ago, mm-hmm. every single time, one of the students would say, what was your wife's name? And I'd say, oh, gosh. well, Edward, my husband's <laughs> name is Edward. And it, it wasn't for comic effect, but I mean, right. eight years ago, Literally, the air left the room because these, these were in small group settings and every single person was shocked and they loved it as a teaching point. It then became part of the way that exercise no matter who did it oh wow pointedly not talk about the gender of our spouse Mm -hmm. until or unless asked now in the past two or three years they're automatically using partner and spouse and comfortable the air doesn't go out of the room anymore because it's no longer this hot button issue but it just felt lovely to be able to sort of unintentionally sort of stumble into this huge cultural teaching point yeah, yeah. Um, in a natural and in a helpful way.
0: Yeah. So like it, little that. did they know when they needed a SP at last minute that you were going to kind of change the, yeah. the way and, they did it
1: the fact that it happened to play out in these past eight or so years when in fact the world has changed so much Mm -hmm. in that and several other subjects. Um, One of the most fun things, the sweetest, sweetest guy, a very young student who had never had an SP before. I should preface this with something that All of the medical schools for most of my time working, but particularly in recent years, have been extraordinarily international. There are students from every country, every background you can imagine. And that is part of what's really interesting for me is encountering these different cultures and these different people and how they interact with patients, what their idea of polite or funny is. But this kid, the the case happened to be, last name happened to be Peshkin. Okay, okay. Peshkin. so literally there was a knock on the door and this sweet very tall kid stuck his head in and said Mr. Peshkin and I said yes and he went oh, you are from Ukraine I am from Ukraine <laughs> he actually thought they had managed to come up with a Ukrainian patient for him oh wow and I was like Uh, And I, unfortunately, it was an exam with a very tight time limit. So I could, any other time I would have loved to play along and to make him feel good. But I literally just had to say, yes, actually, I I really have a huge pain in my stomach. You know, I had to move on, get him to move (laughs) on with the case. But he was so naive and innocent and so excited. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, oh, man, I so wish I could have been there for Peshkin. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so that was actually, wait, was that his last name?
1: No, he- but he recognized Peshkin as a
0: Ukrainian name <laughs> and then
1: immediately assumed, clearly thought that was my name. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was new enough to not. Be play acting at all. He thought that was really my name. Oh, wow. And therefore, I was somehow, you know, at least from the Ukraine or that area. And it was just, oh, I was terrible. like, I hated breaking his heart like that, but he was so sweet. Yeah.
0: You don't forget something like that. That is really yeah. wonderful. And um, I guess it goes to show how often, like, when you do create like a case name or something, how it can really relate to someone. You never know. <laughs> I never know.
1: There was a, a case I did where actually a variation on a theme, it literally, was printed in the case that when the student walks in they wanted the patient to be very gregarious and to throw their arm out like they really wanted to shake the hand and hey how you doing and a woman came in with a head wrap on Mm -hmm. i hadn't seen her until she walked in the room and i threw my hand out and she screamed, i do not touch men (laughs) she was and i was like whoa oh oh, oh, okay and you know i kind of Calm down a little, and then then I realized there was. I think she even may have said, "In, in my religion, we do not do that." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, oh, oh, okay," um, but but it was very odd. And this was a session where we were able to have feedback.
0: Oh, after. good.
1: So she came back in, but the the end result was I, I tried to help explain that I had no issues with her not wanting to be touched, but being screamed at by my <laughs> doctor upon entry. <laughs> felt very not just disarming, but kind of insulting. Yeah. And she simply would not hear it. Oh, she was like, no, nope. that, you know, she was completely resistant to anyone else's point of view on this subject. Oof. I, I didn't talk a lot about it. When, once I realized she wasn't interested in what i had to say in that area i just kind of backed off and then talked about some more practical stuff and i just thought what a missed opportunity for her unless she's going to work within a religious community only that understands those things going in if she's going to work in some major hospital Mm -mm. she she will not be able to behave like that
0: yeah Uh, and and you uh, wonder right where what happened to her
1: i'm not suggesting anything negative about her religious feelings or her, her, but it was all about the way she communicated with me about that.
0: It could have have
1: been a teaching moment for both of us. It could have been something that brought us together, not freaked me out and made her angry
0: right I think everybody has to learn including us like it's not just med students but it's one thing to have strong feelings about how you're feeling but it's another thing if that makes someone feel a different way being able to take that feedback as a human being even especially professionally and being able to work with that and say okay so how can I make this work within my scope of my comfort level so I do hope that that student was able to find a way over time to take some of that feedback back and make it work for her but uh,
1: hey or or perhaps make sure she will only work she might it might be her choice to only work in a community where that is understood on some level so that no man would be attempting to reach out and touch her
0: right 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 no. yeah and once again it goes to show that that type of a case like you wouldn't think that you. I, it wasn't to. me it was <laughs> no written it was written in for me to do exactly. it I wasn't I wasn't being a jerk <laughs> yeah yeah you know. and actually i can speak on the other side of it i have played a case uh for examinations believe it or not many times if a male doctor or male student doctor comes in and they and this is before COVID times, might I add, if they were to try to shake my hand, I would say very politely, I'm sorry, I am not able to shake your hand and to see how they reacted to that. And if it was a female um, doctor or med student, I would be able to shake their hand. So it was really, you know, I kind of felt bad every time I got a male student because I was like, okay, they're going to have to deal with this. But you know, most of the time they're like, okay, Uh, But every once in a while, like it would really throw them off. And it was just a learning opportunity. And that was part of the case. That was a very cultural-based case. And it had more to do with than just that. But yeah, there's real aspects of that on both ends. But that's fascinating to hear that that happened to you on that end.
1: I also love that doing the work we do, we get to work with literally students their first week of med school and the week where they're about to graduate and everything in between. And I had a girl in, in a group setting, a small group setting, but someone who was about to Graduate or
0: mm-hmm. was in
1: fourth year, that I had definitely seen literally her first couple of weeks of school. Yeah. It was an end of life case where they literally, I have cancer and they sort of watch me get sicker. And the last meeting is where I'm literally days away from death. Mm-hmm. And so, as an actor, on one level, it's incredibly challenging to be that real, two or three feet away from a med student, real enough that they can buy into it and yeah. not think it's a hokey. But during feedback, she was phenomenal too. Phenomenal. During feedback, while I was just Giving some general feedback, she was crying. Oh. She was almost sobbing. At one point, I looked at her and I said, "I, I can see you're getting emotional. Are you? Can we talk about that?" And she said, "It just never occurred to me. I thought I'd be working with patients who were dying that I didn't know,
0: mm. but I
1: met you four years ago. Mm. I remember every time you've been my patient. Wow." And telling you you were dying and watching you die and knowing I can do nothing about it, she said, it wrecked me. Mm -hmm. And I had no, she said, I'm going to be a doctor so soon. And it never occurred to me that I could have a patient that I cared about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was so beautiful. And I immediately sort of acknowledged how grateful I was for her being that honest and how I actually thought she's exactly the kind of doctor I would want to have, mm-hmm. you know, because she cared that much because she was so willing to connect on that deep, deep level. We were play acting. I had That's makeup nice. on, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, and not pretty makeup. I mean, you know, <laughs> makeup to look like I'm on death's door. Right. and she, she was just amazing. And I loved knowing that and hearing that, you know, for me, that sort of put it all together for yeah. those students who are willing, they will get those kinds of lessons that wouldn't come out of a doctor's mouth, a faculty doctor's mouth.
0: You just brought tears to my eyes, by the way. <laughs> That's just amazing, absolutely incredible. And like, yeah, you don't forget that heartbreaking and in the most heartwarming way. <laughs> How lovely. And I think I bet she still remembers that too.
1: In fairness, also, she was a pretty spectacular student any time I saw her through the four years, Mm -hmm. but it was in a group of her peers. She didn't have to open up. She could have just said, oh, I'm fine. You know, but she was willing to just let it out.
0: That's so so cool. That's so So cool. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. And you've had some amazing stories. Thank you so much, Tom, for coming on and discussing all these stories and things with us today. We really appreciate your time and energy and experience. 20. 25 years of experience, mind you. I'm
1: so old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's truly amazing. I love it. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the Standardized Patients Podcast. Thanks, as always, to Randy Sharp for the use of our theme song, Mr. Garita. And you can find their music at Artlist. Thank you to Catherine Babalek for behind-the-scenes work, audio post-production, and our cover art. And that is our show. See you next time as we encounter more standards of standardized patient work.